Hello and welcome to episode 113 of Below the Fold, where some of the best content is just a scroll away. Today's episode is on what you didn't know about conversion rate optimization. Let me throw down some introductions. We've got Nate Birch in the studio, SEO manager at MapR Technologies. That's me. Brandon Hassler, founder and CEO of Market Campus. What's up, my man? And Paxton Gray, Director of Marketing Operations at 97th Floor. Hello, comrade. <laughs> and I am Jacob Perry, Digital Marketing Manager at Myriad Genetics. On today's episode, we have a special guest who's going to join our conversation. Chris Daly is the owner of Daily Conversion. He's a digital marketing entrepreneur with a passion for helping businesses improve website design through data-driven testing. His company provides full-service A-B testing for businesses to help learn more about their users and improve on-site conversion rates. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks for having me, guys. So today's conversation is going to be started off by Paxton. Take it away. So I've always been interested in CRO primarily because when I started at 97th floor, my boss was just obsessed with it and he wouldn't stop talking about CRO, CRO this, CRO that. And so I started getting a little bit into CRO and its possibilities. However, I never really fully got into it because it wasn't a service that I had worked on for my clients. Primarily it was SEO, content marketing, but not true CRO. So I know that people have some misconceptions about CRO or feel that it's a little bit more simple than it actually is. So what I'd like to get out of this episode, primarily, Chris, is uh, clarifying what those misconceptions are or really understanding the full complexities and depths of CRO. So if you could address that question primarily, what are some of the things that CRO is that people don't usually think of when they think of conversion rate optimization? Yeah. So, and maybe it would first be helpful for me to address some of those misconceptions that people have about about conversion rate optimization or CRO. So one of the first challenges that a lot of people have when they try to do A-B testing is they, again, like you mentioned, they think that it's going to be a simple, quick, easy thing to set up. Uh, for example, testing button text. Um, one of the challenges that people have, though, is they don't think through what happens if this test succeeds. What, what's, an, what's our overall strategy here? So people view conversion rate optimization as a one-time test. Uh, and so I think that's one of the first misconceptions that people have about conversion optimization is viewing it as a one-time thing. Another challenge that a lot of companies have is they look at it as a way to validate their point of view. So I've seen this happen a lot in executive meetings where one executive will say, our new website needs to look like this. And the other executive will say, I think it needs to look like this. And they'll say, well, let's take it down to an A-B test and let's see what our audience responds to. While that is a great way to to figure out which version may convert better, that's not conversion rate optimization because there's not it's not a hypothesis-driven process. There's no data behind those opinions. It's just purely conjecture and opinion. And so when, when we go into what is conversion rate optimization, that kind of leads us into how do you develop a strategy for conversion rate optimization and how do you have it be driven by data? So I don't know if, if that makes sense, but that's, I think those are some of the misconceptions that I've seen. Have you guys seen others? So, well, what are the, some of the things that people primarily test? Like for some of your clients across the board, we can almost always guess that they're going to be testing these things. 
Sorry, are you asking what are people testing out or what should people be testing? What elements do they actually test out? What so sh- I guess what it? should everyone be testing? So really what people should be testing is everything on a page. The biggest problem that businesses have is they get blinders on. They focus on one thing and to the exclusion of everything else. So the way that I usually will help my clients think about conversion rate optimization is to immediately think on the dramatic scale. So I will approach companies and help them test a dramatic redesign right off the bat. Because a lot of times what companies will focus on is we really don't like this map on this page or we really hate the headline on this page. And they're, they're really missing some of the big picture, which is what is the experience like on your page? How are the users able to engage? Do they find the information that they want? How easy is it to find that information? So I try to help companies break through that and in those initial blinders with a dramatic large-scale test. So before we go too far on, there were a couple points that you made early on that I uh, made note of that I want to bring up again. One was that you said that CRO is not a one-time practice thing. It's not something that you do one time and you find the result or the winning variant of that one test and you go with that forever, but the, but it's a multi-step process. What does that look like? At the very beginning, when, when you come up with different variations and you start testing that and then you, you may find a winner, what are, what, what are next steps? What's best practice after that initial find? Yeah, so and it kind of depends on what your first test is. But going back to kind of my example of a dramatic first test. So if the first test is a dramatic redesign and you're testing multiple hypotheses, usually what, what will happen is you'll learn something from that test. So maybe that first round of testing you're testing one version that has a little bit of text versus another version that has a lot of information and maybe another version that has no information at all. If what you find is that your your audience prefers a lot of information, that leads to an obvious second test. What information do they want there? And that can just continue to spiral into future rounds of testing. Once you learn something about your audience, then you want to really hone in on that and fine-tune it until you've got a really great performing variant or until you no longer are seeing lifts to conversion rate. But what I find is that a lot of companies will have a winning test and go, we're done, let's move on to something else. What happens there is you're really missing a lot of the learnings that you can find about your audience from some of those future rounds of testing. That's great. So uh, the other point that I picked up on was opinion-based decision-making right? So CRO is not opinion-based. It's strictly guided by data, right? So throughout my years in my adult life and career, one of the biggest things that I have that has bothered me, in fact, quick little story here. Do you guys know who Rod Arquette is? Yep. So Rod Arquette is a radio personality. And uh, actually, this you guys may remember this story because it happened I while I was at 97th floor, but I called into the Rod Arquette show. Do you remember this, Pax? No. So I called into the Rod Arquette show because his topic of the day was pet peeves. He was asking what, what people's pet perfect peeves topic were. for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was really excited. I was like, holy cow, I thought of the perfect pet peeve. Which and, was? Well, I'll tell you. Let me get to that part of the story. So he's on the radio and he's talking about pet peeves. He's taking calls. So, you know, I, I, I'm actually driving while I'm, t- when I'm, when I'm driving or I'm driving while I'm calling in. Don't say that on there. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I 
got to the point where I was on the phone and I was waiting and someone answered and, and he's like, all right, great. You got something. I was like, yeah, he put me on hold. And then while I'm sitting there listening, I can hear the show through my phone so that I know when it's time for me to come in. And the pet peeve, and so Rod Arquette comes on. He's like, we've got Jacob Perry from Salt Lake City. What do you got for us? And I remember at that, I, I all of a sudden just got terrified. And I, and the pet peeve that I shared was, uh, hey, Rod, how's it going? I, you know, I, I really hate, I really hate it when people uh, share their opinions uh, as fact. And he kind of paused and he was like, uh, is, is that what you're saying I do, Jacob? And I was like, oh, no way, man. No, I love your show. No, not at all. And he kind of tried to get more information on me, but I couldn't get it. Anyways, it was super embarrassing. And, uh, you know, I, I go into work the next day and I kind of share it around because embarrassing things don't really bother me. But, but coming back to conversion rate optimization, one of the things that gets me still is that same pet peeve when it comes to making adjustments to your website. So you have a boss or you have a coworker, you have someone who's in a position of power or decision-making over a website and they want to make changes based on their own personal opinion. They say, oh, well, if I came to the site, this is what I would do. This is the content I would like to consume. This is the color that I like. And it should be said that I, I came to Chris, uh, I don't know, what was it, two months ago? I came to Chris and I said, hey, listen, we've got a big problem. We've got some forms that, I mean, it's not that they're underperforming. It's not that they're performing. They're, I think they're just underperforming. What can you do to help us? And so we hired Chris to do some work for us at Myriad Genetics, and, and we've seen some really, really great results. But that stems from a, that original thought of people kept coming to us or me and saying, hey, this is what we should do this site. I think this will outperform this. And I say, well, what are you basing that off of? And they they can't answer that because really that's what they're, it's their opinion, right? Oh, this looks good. I think it'll, it'll perform well. In fact, it got to the point where uh, Chris brought us back some variations for some stuff we were working on. And some fun thing that he does is he, he gets everyone in, involved to try to guess which variation is going to win. And so me and my team, we got together and we, we kind of went through the variations and we, we chose one as, as a winner. And, and guess what? It was the least performing out of all the three or four variations we had, which is surprising, right? Because it's also very enlightening. We think, oh, well, obviously what we think doesn't matter because our audience are doctors, are physicians. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physician. I don't have their training. I don't have their background. So I'm going to engage the website very differently than how a provider will do that. Anyway, so that was my second point as far as making decisions based on your opinion or any opinion, even if it's your boss, if your boss comes to you and say, hey, we need to do this, your first reaction should be, why? And is there a better option? And if there is, let's find out what it is. And that's, I think, where CRO comes in. Well, I have a want to interject with kind of a counterpoint and a question. We'll see if I follow up on that question, if I remember to say that. Do you want me to remember for you? Yeah. So it seems that I can see, you know, I can see the merit of CRO in that it's a data-driven method of improving conversion conversions on your website. But it's a little short-sighted in that we're looking at one conversion, or perhaps I'm not familiar with CRO in-depth, but perhaps we're looking at a chain of conversions. But it's short-sighted in, the, in that what if the data that I get back from my testing shows that I should do something that might be contrary to my brand? Also, you know... We, it, it could say that the, the data comes back and says we should do something that maybe we just don't want to be doing. For example, like 
hey, I noticed that when you say free pizza on this button to sign up for the email campaign, then conversions go up 10 times, right? Well, but what, we're not going to give away. How would that ever happen? Because if, if you're using you verbiage that is input. against your brand, you'd never test that variant. The human input that you would have for the different variants would have already filtered that type of thing out because you're not you're not on purpose going to go against something that's within your brand. Category. In other words, the, if you have four variations that you're testing against, all four will be aligned with your brand mm-hmm. and it's between those four that you're that you're testing against not anything outside that would be against against sure so i guess what i'm saying is is that that human element when it comes to deciding what to test can limit the potential for cro however you bring up a really good point and this is a conversation that i have with a lot of clients because the way that different companies view brand and branding things is very different so some companies for them branding is what their logo looks like for other companies, they brand everything. They, they consider everything on their site part of the brand. So what font they use and what color it is and what the button says. And so one of the things that I try to help my clients think through is why is this particular thing important to the brand? Is it important to the brand because it's important to you or is it important to the brand because this dramatically affects how people think about your company? So for example, if and I had this, this is a real conversation that I just recently had with a client of mine. If your brand is, we have all of the buttons on our site say submit. And I ask, why do they say submit? And the reason is because that's what they all say. Then the question is, well, why should it say that? Why can't the brand be changed to get a free quote or place my order or something that actually adds value, right? And so that's what I try to help people think through is, is this a true branding element? Is this going to dramatically affect how people think about your brand? Or is this something that you arbitrarily decided was a brand just so you could have continuity from page to page? Does that make sense? Yeah. Something else I've seen uh, as I've been working with Chris is uh, oftentimes you don't know what you don't know. So mm-hmm. as you hire experts to come in and take a third party look at your site, they can offer suggestions that you may have never even considered uh, regardless of whether or not you understand your brand, because a lot of times that's that's all you need is someone from the outside looking in, giving you advice on on how your how your site should perform. And we've seen major lifts in our traffic and in our traffic in our conversions just in the last few weeks from the the conversion rate optimization we've been doing on our site, and and we continue to do that. We've we've uh, found additional funds and resources to to put into that because. I see the value, but just in the last few weeks, the value I've seen has increased. Definitely. It's interesting that you bring up the, uh, you don't know what you don't know, because on, on the exact opposite side, there's a, there's a term called the curse of knowledge, where you don't know what it's like to not know what you currently know. So for example, you don't know what it's like to not understand what mirror genetics is. So for example, the doctors that are making the decisions they don't know what what an experience is to come to their site for the first time because it's simple. They, they've been there. They can't remove that knowledge. So they have the curse of having that knowledge. And I think today you're having a, a weird crossroad in between the, the millennials and, and the people that have been built up on, on technology. And you have the old school executives that are, that are in marketing now. And they got to where they are because of their gut feels, because of their opinion. And now when, when we can come back up with data-driven information to say, guess what? Your opinion was actually wrong. They don't really have as much of a standing other than to say, 
well, I, I feel that, uh, that, that this shouldn't work. Yeah, but I, you know, like we've discussed earlier, completely removing this gut feeling is not a factor. Oh, you can't. Factor. You can't. You can't completely remove the gut feeling because, for example, the, the you variance... You know what you, you want to test. Yes, you have to know what you're gonna, you want to test, and that is why you can't remove the human element. I can't go, go throw a bunch of, a bunch of words into, into a, a cool CMS that uses AI and says, this is the headline that it should be. And then have in the background it running infinite split tests because you're going to end up with gibberish. Nothing is going to to result Wait. from that. Is it, okay, you just opened up a can of worms, my friend. But <laughs> would you end up with gibberish? I think you would, because this is only selecting variants that people that want. So they're not people aren't going to click on gibberish. However, you, someone would win. You guys bring up an interesting point, though, because that is that's a question that a lot of CROs have. What is the future of testing? I know that there are companies that are building automated testing tools that use machine learning to improve conversion rates. And so I, I don't believe that you would end up with gibberish on a page, but that does lead back to the human element of would we end up with something that is completely contrary to our brand? Because if the machine finds out that putting free Obama money on a Myriad Genetics page increases conversion rates by 50%, would you end up looking at your site six months later and go, this has nothing to do with our company? Right. And there's the fact that just because you have a good conversion rate and people are doing what you want them to be doing, it doesn't mean that people like your company. BuzzFeed, for example, they they know the formula for how to trick the human brain into clicking on stupid crap. They know that And people bait. fall for it every time, but they hate buzzfeed for it right they don't have a good opinion of buzzfeed I don't so click it on principle well i don't know about that i know a lot of people who love buzzfeed in fact some people have have started to think or even talk about how buzzfeed is becoming a little bit more of a news source rather than the, sure. the and it that is. they were famous for to, well to their credit they have been working on developing their brand and pushing it that way because they'd gone so far down this rabbit hole of kittens and uh, <laughs> sex scandals that they had to reinvent their brand by yeah, putting right. more effort into this you're right so, you know, always chasing the conversion. I, I'm just imagining a scenario where there's this computer that builds this website that perfectly matches what the brain wants to see. And just like we all hit our cell phones because it works so well with how our brains want, like they want that little hit, right? And yet some part of our brain just hates it and just does not want to be a part of it, but we still fall into it. So really, do you want your brand to be in that category? Maybe, but maybe not. But back to one 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 other point I wanted to bring up because Jacob brought up the the voting type of scenarios that I, that's something that I intentionally do actually to to help people start to get through some of the gut feel uh, perspective because again you know I think we've established that gut feel can help us to to make some initial reactions of do I want my site to look like this or not but once you get past that. You, there is a lot of the gut feel of, I know what's best, companies in general do need to get rid of. And so that's kind of the intent behind the voting methodology is once you see that you don't know what your users want the best, then you can take a step back and go, maybe we should test this. And for future decisions, instead of, I want to rebrand our, our entire site and I want it to look exactly like Apple's website, you can say, we need to rebrand our site. Let's see what our users want. So... Coming, uh, taking that point a little bit further is uh, the gut feeling portion. I think gut feeling has its place in in CRO because as you are coming up with 
your variations that you're testing, right? Whether it's two or three or four or five, isn't it based on your gut feeling in, in a way, what direction you should go with those variations? And then you test those variations. And this is coming back to the point where CRO is not a one-time thing because if you test four different variations and you find one increases your traffic, your conversions or whatever by 500%, we know that out of those four variations, this one increases at 500%. But maybe there's a variation out there that we didn't think of or haven't built that increases it by 1,000%. Right. Right. So that's that's where we're going is, is gut feeling has its place, I think, along with the data. I mean, any final adjustments or tweaks that you make to your website should come from that data-driven side. But as far as the design elements and the creativity that, that comes from the creative side of conversion rate optimization, I think that's where gut feeling should live. Now I have a question that I know Brandon has been thinking of, and he's just a chatterbox over here. So I'm going to make him stop talking for a second so that I can get this question in. What is the best way to get SEO and CRO to play nicely? Okay, well, maybe let me ask a counter question. Okay. Do you think that CRO and SEO don't play nicely currently? Not necessarily, but depending on how you were to do A-B testing, it could. They could have some conflicts, being that if you make changes to a page, that can affect rankings. If you're changing the URL of a page, that can affect rankings. Um, if you're constantly doing redirects, that can you know affect rankings. So. Yeah, so I think that's that's based on the notion that the most important factors are the content on the page. One of the things that, you know, as I've been as I've talked with SEOs recently and and even a conversation I had with Rand Fishkin about the future of SEO and where is SEO going, Google's increasingly looking at on-site metrics more and more. What are, what are people doing when they get to your site? Are people finding what they want? Are they clicking through? Are they engaging or are they is your are your bounce rates super high? So I think that and you know and, and Google's even come out. They have an A/B testing tool themselves, and they've come out and said that A/B testing can be extremely helpful for SEO because as you give users what they want, I, I don't believe that they're mutually exclusive. I think as you give users what they want, and as people increase their engagement with your site, I think that rankings will follow. And I think if they're not, if Google isn't currently including those things in their ranking factors. I think it's only a matter of time before they do. I think that's one of the things that Google's getting a little bit smarter about because if you have a, a web page that's ranking really well, but the content's not great and Google's going to penalize you for making it better, it's obvious It's obvious to me that Google would want to reward websites and, and business owners for beefing up the quality of their of their page. So sure. penalizing them for incre- or doing some... CRO on that page, changing colors and formats and, you know, whatever else. Uh, yeah. It doesn't, but you're looking at them as a human when really what it is is a robot that doesn't recognize that what you're trying to do is something good. That's true. It just recognizes there's a change here. And it, it according does. to my instruction, I'm supposed to lower the, the ranking. Of well, they page. can change the instruction by maybe giving it a delay, right? So sure. they say, here's, sure. there's been a change on this page. I'll come back in a couple of weeks to see what the user metrics might yeah. be. And if it's increased, then we now know that the quality is better. So quality is quantitative as far as the algorithm is concerned. They, they know whether or not the page is, is, is good or not. Yeah, uh, agreed. And- I'm just saying, like, I've seen situations where content on a page changes even if if it's for the better and and interactions do improve but rankings lower 
However, how temporary, temporary. Okay. it's temporary. Yeah, it is yeah. temporary. But and my I think point that's, is that's that it's part just, of the risk. If you're sure. constantly optimizing a page and you, are constantly, you constantly are temporarily being lowered, then. then you know, that, that could be a problem, yep. assuming that you have a site where you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of organic visits. That, that could was, be a significant dent. That was similar to one of my follow-up questions for you, Chris. It was, how often do you actually work with the pages that do have organic rankings versus landing pages that are just for paid paid advertising or, or that type of... Yeah, that varies on a case-by-case basis. An interesting thing is, because you're right, a lot of... When people think of CRO, a lot of what they think of is landing pages. However, there can be extremely, and I and a lot of the most beneficial tests that I've run with companies have been homepage tests, which homepages typically have Granted, your highest yeah, SEO value, definitely working right? value. And those are those are pages that where your rankings are extremely important, usually monitored very carefully. And in my experience, I haven't run an A/B test that has dramatically Im- impacted in a negative way a homepage. Of course, I you know I'm I'm willing to admit that I'm sure that it has happened. I'm sure that it happens, but but I have never run a test myself that has that has resulted in positive engagement and negative ranking impact. Gotcha. So they go pretty much hand in hand. Yeah, and to clarify, the experiences I'm talking about are like significant changes on a page, like complete change, uh, complete different layout content is different on the page. Whole menu structure. So oh. it's possible that if we're adjusting small things, that that's not enough to basically like trip this imaginary wire. Yeah, and I think long long term, the goal of CRO is the same goal that Google has for its users. The goal of CRO is to give your users what they're looking for. The best experience The possible. best experience possible. And that's what Google ultimately wants because the better experience people have with the sites they find on Google, the more they come back. Cool. I'm going to enter a quick segment. I want to do a rapid fire Q&A with Chris. I'm going to ask a question and within one or two words... You can go into three words if you need. I'd like an answer. As far as conversion rate optimization goes, which color has outperformed every other color in color in a general sense? Red. Red? Actually, we had mentioned this prior to the show starting. I want to preface this segment by saying that the answers we're getting from Chris are not necessarily meant to be used across the board in a general sen- a general sense. Every industry and niche and company and whatever... Uh, may have differing answers. All right, back to rapid fire. Yeah, for this specific segment, I want to keep it short on a general sense. You say red is the best color out of all the colors as far as... For call to action colors, yes. Okay. What about words on a button? Either either having the word my or get, things that... Too long. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I have questions. Yeah, go ahead. Is it better to have ugly people or good-looking people if you have pictures of people? That depends. Generally, good-looking people. (laughs) That's okay. We'll go ahead and break the rule if you need to go beyond three words. Is it better to have pictures of people or no people? That depends. That's a question. Okay. I just have to really quickly (laughs) comment. Yeah, go ahead. I think the question is, is it better to have pictures or no pictures? Okay. So that... My comment would be no pictures. No pictures. Race. Race as in nationality? Yep. Depends on your market is. That depends the market. Let let me just listen, it's not your opinion, it's just the data. Let me suggest let me suggest a better question. Gender and female. Female is better? Okay. Last last question. Oh no, no, my last one was images and you already answered that. So as a quick 
Wait, uh, recap. Oh. Really, really. I just want to clarify. When you say when we say images, are we saying no photos or no illustrations? Like nothing. You know what I mean? Like just strictly words. text. That's what you're talking about, right? Mm, I I just say no photos. Photos. Okay. Okay. So as a quick recap, red is the best color, generally speaking. The best action words: get and my. Um, female. Female. Good as looking far as gender, females. Good, good looking, looking female. females. Yeah. And uh, as far as race or nationality, no comment. Okay, last question, and then we'll go into last word. From a digital marketing standpoint, if you could only choose two digital marketing strategies for your business, what would they be and why? I would do LinkedIn advertising and CRO. The reason for LinkedIn advertising is the level of targeting and the quality that you can get from advertising on LinkedIn is unparalleled for a B2B company and CRO for Obvious reasons, if you're going to be paying to get traffic to your site, you better be optimizing that site so you get the most value out of it. Mm, I love that. So straight from the expert's mouth, CRO should be one of the two tactics that you're using in your (laughs) digital marketing strategy. And I'm not at all biased. Yeah, Yeah, no, I get that. Okay, let's enter into last word. We're going a little bit long today, but last word is 60 seconds or less, and I'm going to hold you to it this time to give your last word. We'll start this with... This is Brandon's first word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. We'll, we'll go ahead and start with Brandon. Really interesting conversation to uh, listen, listen in on. But one interesting aspect I'm seeing is, on one hand, we're being told that CRO is a constant process where we should always be looking for things to optimize, which I agree with. On the other hand, we had Paxton bring up the issue of SEO and CRO not playing nicely sometimes specifically when it comes to copy, which from everything I've read, copy is one of the most powerful, uh, what do you want to call it, factors in CRO. So it's interesting because how are we supposed to, because we've talked about ranking, how are we supposed to rank when uh, we're always making those changes, which we're supposed to be, but then we're supposed to stop. I don't know. So maybe Chris could use his last word to kind of answer that question on when do we stop optimizing a specific aspect of our website? Yeah, let's push your last word onto somebody else. That's real good. <laughs> Paxton, what do you got? One minute. First off, there's so many more questions I have, so I'd love to have Chris back on the show at some other point. Primarily, this is my. I'm going to end with my question. Just let it hang out there. I don't want you to answer this. Well, maybe you'll get some answers. It on seems. The blog. I wonder, like, if there's a point at which you cannot do CRO anymore. Like, is there a point? Perhaps when you get diminishing returns and you just really can't go further, is there a wall that you ever hit or is this an infinite thing? In which case, sign me up to get into the CRO business because it's infinite and it never ends. You're already in the SEO business. Uh, Is there an (laughs) end to SEO? That's perfect. Nate, what do you got? Okay. So I I believe that the future of content or or call it CRO, I believe the future will get into an AI-assisted system where you're using the data to automatically feed back into a, a loop. And I know you said not to answer your question, but will it ever end? It can't because time changes, your audience changes, situations change, your content's going to need to change, things develop. And when you change any one element, the rest of them have to change as well. So I, I believe that uh, those systems are going to get much, much more intelligent with the data that you're able to feed into them and with the, with the systems that will be able to interpret and readjust depending on the inputs of the of the, the users. Awesome. I'm going to give my last word, and then we'll go ahead and let Chris take his, and we'll end the show with that. 
a few weeks ago, you may have remembered that one of my two strategies that I chose in that episode was CRO. And it's for the simple fact that CRO is inexpensive and in my experience has brought back a significant return on investment, which is extremely important, especially when you're building a business, right? That's your main goal, the bottom line. Remember the name of that episode was the biggest bang for your buck. If you want the biggest bang for your buck, or in other words, spend as little money as possible and get the most return, I think CRO would land on that list. It's it's that important. I see the value. And even after this couple months that I've really gotten into it, the value keeps coming back and surprising me with with how how well received or or how well the uh, how good the results are at the end. So that's my last word, Chris. Why don't you go ahead and take your last word, sixty seconds, to share your opinion? If you want, you can answer Brandon's question. I actually don't remember Brandon's question anymore, <laughs> so we'll talk about it later. But the the thing that I just want to comment on that we didn't spend a lot of time talking about today, but is just the value of understanding your users better. And that's that's not a value that you can quantify in terms of dollar amounts. But one of the most powerful things about CRO is that through running these tests and through continuing to test on your audience over and over again, I don't think there's a better way to learn what your audience really wants and who these people are and why they're deciding to buy your product than CRO. So I just think there's there's an extreme amount of value, as Jacob mentioned, which is why I continue to do it. Go ahead and share with us your contact information for if anyone wants to get a hold of you. Yeah, please uh, look me up on Twitter. It's just at Chris Daly, D-A-Y-L-E-Y for the last name. Look me up on uh, on LinkedIn or feel free to shoot me an email, chris at dailyconversion.com. Great. Thank you so much. I want to do one last shout out for Beehive Startup. They have generously allowed us to use their podcasting studio. Our sound quality has gotten exponentially better over the last several weeks, as you probably have noticed. You can reach us at belowthefold.io. You can shoot us emails. We love engagement. If you have questions on the episode or any other topic that you want us to cover, you can email us at inbound at belowthefold.io. And you can also find us on iTunes. We encourage that. Please go listen and uh, leave a review. That's really uh, the money-making metric on iTunes. And remember, for all your beehive needs, beehivestartups.com.